Welcome to System of the Soul, the podcast for entrepreneurs who are looking to create breakthrough in their business. I'm your host, Chris White, along with my co-host, Benj Miller. And uh, today, um, really looking forward to this guest. This is, uh, uh, today's guest is Dr. Don Wood, and uh, he is the founder and CEO of Inspired Performance Institute, uh, which uh, he, he focuses uh, on trauma. Uh, uh, on performance and your health. And uh, he's written several books. Uh, most recent, I think, is The Emotional Concussions. Dr. Wood, welcome to System and Soul. Here we go. Thank you. I, I'm glad I'm here. I appreciate the opportunity to talk to your audience. So, Dr. Wood, you and I have uh, gotten to actually spend some time together because you moved into the suite next door to mine. How perfect was that? Yeah, and, tell me uh, you got to meet this Chris White. I had to move in to meet him. <laughs> and uh, so for just to set a little context for everybody, um, I met Dr. Wood through my client, Scott Mann, uh, owner of Rooftop Leadership. He's a retired lieutenant colonel. Uh, he's been on our podcast a few times and um, Scott just really, you know, wanted me to meet Dr. Wood because he does such wonderful things with all types of people uh, of all different ages in life and, uh, and dealing with trauma. And so I kind of wanted to start there, Dr. Wood, what set you on this path to where you are today? Um, it was really developed because I, I always talk about my childhood. I had this idyllic childhood, very loving family. So my nervous system was always regulated. I just didn't realize that I was living a unique life. I didn't realize how many of my friends were being physically, emotionally, and sexually abused. And so I just sort of skated through. I played hockey like we talked about, you know, so I was a Canadian hockey player, so I wasn't going to get bullied. Um, so everything just sort of worked out for me. And it wasn't until I met my wife that I realized that she was not living in a house, anything like mine. She had a very, very angry father who ruled with terror. So she was living in fear all the time. She could, everything that she viewed was from a perspective of safety. So, and I thought after we got married, she'd be out of that environment, living in my environment and that would all calm down, but it didn't. So she would constantly be worried about what could happen, what could go wrong. And I've been an entrepreneur all my life. So you can imagine somebody with that kind of fear living with an entrepreneur. <laughs> yeah. so she was constantly worried about what could go wrong and just waiting for it to crash. Because as a child, her father for bits and times would sort of be okay, you know, and, and outgoing. And, and then all of a sudden at the snap of a finger, it could change into terror. So she just kept assuming that's how her life was going to be going and just waiting for something to go wrong mm -hmm. and had trouble appreciating, right? Everything that we had and that we were enjoying. And I couldn't understand it because it didn't make any sense to me. Um, and then when my daughter was 14, she was diagnosed with Crohn's. And then um, they just told us, you just kind of change your diet, take her off of gluten, dairy, all those things. And my wife did amazing research, but only found answers to live and manage and cope with it. And they said, you just have to understand your daughter will eventually end up with a colostomy bag. That's what to expect. 
So my wife said, you need to research this and find out, you know, you got to come up with an answer. So I went back on my PhD and started studying. And one of the connections I made was the connection between tr unresolved trauma and autoimmune and health issues. And so my daughter disclosed to us when she was 16 that she had had some abuse when she was six that we were unaware of. And so what I believe was happening, and my wife has Hashimoto's, which is another autoimmune, that when we have these unresolved traumas, they continue to loop. And our mind is continually trying to fix them because your subconscious survival brain is operating in the present. So when it accesses memory from five years ago or 10 years ago, it thinks something's still active. So it creates a physiological response in you to protect you. So the purpose, I always say to people, if you think about something that happened to you five years ago and you feel fear, that's a glitch. Your mind is actually calling for an action. That's the purpose of fear. So if you have that constantly going on, which is what my wife was dealing with, so she's got her autonomic nervous system constantly being activated, of course, her thyroid is going to burn out because she's producing cortisol on a constant basis. Mm. That's going to affect your health. What I also discovered is that when we resolve this trauma, health improves, but so does performance. And that's why I call this a performance program, not trauma therapy. Because mm -hmm. I start from the base that there's nothing wrong with anybody. Everybody's mind works perfectly fine. However, what's interfering with your ability to stay present and in the moment. And what I have found is, is unresolved trauma. Man. So I'm just, I'm Chris, you can weigh in here. Like I'm kind of shocked right now because we've, this fear thing is becoming a theme, right? We talked to the chief joy officer about his culture and he's like, his job is to remove fear from the, the workplace. And, and, Scott Mann was talking about how fear, you know, triggers the different systems in our body. And, and we're back here to fear. Dr. Wood, do you have a sense of how much of our life is actually controlled by fear? The number one fear for human beings is uncertainty. So if you're living in an environment where your job isn't certain, your career is not certain, your business isn't certain, or personal life isn't, that is going to create current stress. So that fear, so you, the, the person you talked about who's the chief joy officer, that's what they have to work on is to create that culture. But here's where their problem comes in. If they've lived with that uncertainty and trauma all their lives, they can't fix that. I couldn't fix that with my wife, even though I had her in an environment that should not have been activating that part of her nervous system. But because she constantly was gauging her current situation, and the way I, I explain it is, your subconscious mind accesses memory to basically do a Google search. Have we experienced this kind of a situation before? And here's where the glitch comes in. When it accesses that old information from years ago, when does it actually think it's happening? Right now. So it creates a physiological response in you. So the chief joy officer cannot do anything about that. I couldn't do anything about that until we take them through a program to update it. So it's just like an old computer glitch that you continue to loop through and you can't figure out why it's affecting the program you're running right now.
which is your current job or current relationships. Titus Talent Strategies exists to equip companies to make the best attraction, hiring, engagement, and development decisions to meet their organization's people and performance objectives. We're here to help you get the right people in the right seats and coach them to be the best they can be, guaranteed. Our consultant style process was born out of frustration with the traditional recruiting model, which needed to be reimagined. Our visionary integrator built a new way of doing business to produce true, measurable results and create lasting partnerships. Now running on EOS for eight years, Titus has experienced year-over-year growth, making its second consecutive appearance on the Inc. 5000 fastest-growing companies in 2020. Our proven process in one year, 100% performance, fits hand-in-glove with the EOS people component, tying everything back to the accountability chart, people analyzer, and your company's VTO. As a talent strategy company, we offer EOS-run companies a range of services based on our proprietary methodologies, hire for performance and manage for performance. Learn more at TitusTalent.com. So you, you just teased us. So how do we reboot? <laughs> Well, that's, that's what all my research was on, was discovering, number one, first of all, why it's happening. Why are we having people who are high-functioning? My wife was a high-functioning, beautiful human being. She, she is. Yet, she great mother, great wife, yet she was living in fear. And it wasn't making sense to me because I was saying to her, I said, you know, we've got a beautiful home. We've got a good business. We're making money. You know, what is it that doesn't make you feel safe? And it was always like, When's it going to stop? When's something going to happen to bring it crashing down? Because that's what she experienced as a child. So no matter how calm I tried to speak, no matter how much I tried to create this feeling of safety in her current environment, that wasn't the issue. So if I said to my wife, no, I don't like that. She could respond to me with, why are you upset with me? And I would say, honey, why do you think I'm upset? I didn't say anything to make you think I was upset. And she said, well, the way you said it sounded like you were getting upset. What I didn't understand is that as a child, she had to learn to listen very, very carefully to the way her father spoke so that she could recognize when he was starting to get upset because that was going to lead to trouble. So if I had a little frustration from work that day or on my drive home, you could pay me. I couldn't hear that little inflection change in my voice. She could hear it like I just yelled at her. And so she wasn't wrong for experiencing it. And I wasn't wrong because I couldn't hear it. And so right. what I have found is that people who have been traumatized, particularly when they were children, are highly sensitive to sound. So here's your chief joy officer trying to sit down and have a conversation you know, with one of their staff members and activate their nervous system and go, I didn't even say anything. Why did I get that reaction? It's the same thing that I was having problems with. Why was she thinking I was upset with her, right? She was looking for all the signs for danger because that's how she would protect herself. So what I've developed is a program. I started studying all kinds of different modalities and I've developed a program that we take you through that resets that old information. And the best way to explain it is I always ask, and I, I did this already with Chris, but Benji can ask you as well. Can you remember what you ate for dinner last night? Yes. 
what did you have for dinner? Uh, Ground turkey and cabbage. Okay, so you saw pictures, right, of what you ate? I did. Yeah, that's how you stored the information about dinner last night. No other animal on the planet does that. It's only humans that store explicit details about events and experiences. Now, because last night wasn't disturbing or threatening, it's stored as a fairly routine file. However, when we have a traumatic or disturbing event, all our senses are heightened, sight, smell, hearing. So how's it gonna record that? High definition, lots of data coming in. And that's where the glitch comes in. When the mind accesses that data because it's looking at, what does this look like? If we, when I say to my wife, no, I don't like that, I thought she was responding to what I just said. What in fact she was responding to was the flood of data that her mind then circulated through about what it means when men start to get angry. And a whole bunch of data about her childhood would come flooding in and her nervous system would be overstimulated and she'd start to cry. So it wasn't what I was necessarily saying. I was just setting up the activation for her nervous system to then Google search. What do we know about this kind of situation? So what I do in our program is it takes about four hours is I take you through a process that is gonna get your mind to update and reprocess that high definition data into the same format as to what you ate for dinner last night. And it's amazing how well the mind will respond when it's in a restorative mindset. And we can do it really, really quickly. Yeah, that seems like um, my, my response to that is, is somewhere in the shock realm. Um, maybe thinking about how much, you know, I and people I have known have spent on therapy. If you can get through that process in, in four hours, uh, that's quite remarkable. Are, are you tricking the brain into thinking it wasn't traumatic? No, no. So what happens is, is because it's so bright and intense, Hollywood has made trillions of dollars from this. We can go to a movie and actually think something's happening on the screen, right? We can cry, we can get scared. It's because the mind can't distinguish between that much data coming in that there isn't something actually happening. So what I'm able to do is during that four hour process, is I spend about an hour and a half on the education and science behind why your mind's doing it. And that's why I say there's nothing wrong with you because if I'd experienced life the same way, my mind would be activated by that memory as well. So what I'm able to do is to get the mind to reset it and take it through a process that it almost like the opposite of what they did with the Wizard of Oz where they took it from black and white to color. We're taking it from color to black and white. When the mind doesn't get that flood of data, it just sees information, but it's not a lot, highly intensive. It just sees it as information. The reason it's activated is because that memory was stored in that, what I call a beta brainwave state, very high intensive. When I get you into a very relaxed alpha brainwave state, your mind can reprocess it. And then it stops calling for the action because the only purpose to an emotion is an action. And, and when you explain it to people, it's like they've never thought about it that way is, you know, when people will say, well, we're going to teach you how to manage your anger. We're going to teach you how to manage your anxiety. And I'm going, why would you want to manage it? Right. <laughs> I want to eliminate it. 
you know, if you went to your dentist and you said, I have a toothache and he says, well, no problem. I'm going to numb it up for you and give you a pamphlet on how to live with toothaches. You just say, no, I got to go find another dentist. So do we, is, do you re have to repeat the process for every trauma? No. So the great news about this is I do two to three traumas. And once we do two or three, the mind then starts that process. It's almost like we're defragging the computer. Wow. So when you go to sleep at night, you go into a theta brainwave state. And then theta is where your mind is processing what you experienced during the day. So if it experiences restoration, it's going to also then process anything else that needs to be restored. And it's amazing how much it cleans up. I, I was just thinking, so there's all different levels of trauma. We all experience and deal with trauma differently. Um, you know, we we have the the trauma of war. You know, we have soldiers, you know, who are going through some pretty traumatic things. Um, and I know, I know you've worked with a, a variety of people and their traumas. And so I, I was thinking as Benj was talking about, um, you know, you worked with uh, one of the Boston Marathon victims. Right. And, and, and I know the story and I thought that might be a good story to share here because that person tried everything, right? So share, kind of walk us through that. I, I, we're not going to share names or anything, but just the, the, that patient story. Yeah, and actually she, her testimonial is on our site. So her name oh. and everything is there. So she, she was very high profile. She was three feet from the first bomb that went off at the Boston Marathon. She ended up losing her left leg. Her son was sitting at her feet. Unfortunately, she shielded him from most of the blasts. So he was okay, except for the post-traumatic stress he experienced. But um, she spent five years just living, managing, and coping with it. She's, when she came to see me, you know, she says, I have terror nightmares every night. And she says, I heard that you could clear post-traumatic stress in four hours. She goes, it sounds too good to be true, but she says, I am so desperate, I'll try anything. And so she came in and when I first sat down with her, as she started to talk about that day, she started to shake and cry. And I said to her, I says, Rebecca, do you know why you're shaking and crying right now? And she says, well, because I'm talking about what happened to me. And I said, right, but your mind thinks there's a bomb about to go off and it's trying to protect you. There's nothing wrong with your mind. We just need to reset that information about the bomb into the proper perspective that it's information that requires no action. And so by the time we were finished, she could completely talk about it. Oh. And, um, and a nightmare stopped. That's groundbreaking. That's cha changed her life and so yeah. many other people. So I work with a, a veteran, a US Army sniper who had to shoot and kill a 12 year old boy. By the time I was finished, he could completely share the entire story and said to me, he goes, how the bleep did you do this? <laughs> And yeah. I, said to him, I said, I didn't do anything. I said, your mind has been trying to get you not to pull a trigger for eight years. And when it got right. that understanding that we're not shooting a 12 year old boy, it was that call, constant call for an action, stop, 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 that he couldn't do. So you can imagine if you're constantly being called into action and can't take the action, is it any surprise that we develop all of these mental health issues? Mm -hmm. Right. It makes perfect sense why we're developing them. And that's what is life-changing. And that's why, you know, Scott will tell you, 
that really helped him because the same thing, no one explains it that way. They always say, well, we're going to teach you how to manage this anxiety, manage your post-traumatic yeah. stress. Yeah. And I'm just saying that that's never made any sense to me. Yeah. And when, so your book, Emotional Concussions, yeah. um, take us in there a little bit. Yeah, the reason I did that, it was because people would come sometimes and they'd see a, a story like Rebecca from the Boston Marathon and go, <clears throat> well, I don't have that, right? So I don't have this big T trauma. So I guess this, you know, probably couldn't help me. And so that's why I wrote the book Emotional Concussions, because those are the things that have happened throughout your life. It could be getting fired from a job, losing a business. Um, you know, a coach when you're in Little League, when you said, I'm going to be a professional baseball player, and he laughed at you, right? And said, you're not going to be a professional, you're not good enough. Those emotional concussions are just like any kind of a concussion. They build up, they accumulate, right? And they're going to have an effect on the way you're going to run your life, run your business, run your relationships. And that's why you'll see, you know, you get two people who are great people, they get together and they can't make a marriage work because they're bringing in their emotional concussions and mm -hmm. then they could activate each other's what I call it. I call all the experiences you've had throughout your life, atmospheric conditions. So if you come in with some really dark stormy atmospheric conditions and your partner comes in with some, you could be great people, yeah. but you could see how quickly a relationship could go sour. If you're constantly bouncing off of each other's atmospheric conditions. It's going to create tension and stress. And then your number one goal for your mind is survival over everything else. And so even though your spouse may not be threatening you, your mind perceives it as a threat. Yeah. And yeah. you go into your corner. Yeah. Let me ask you a question. I don't know if this is on topic or off topic, but in some of my CEO circles, one of the conversations that's happening a lot right now is the emotional health of our employees after being in a COVID world for 18 months. Is that in some way a form of one of these minor concussions building up over time? 100%. I don't think, I think we're coming into a tsunami of mental health crisis in this country because people are basically in what we call freeze mode right now. Freeze mode, you know, you have fight, flight, or freeze a lot of people are in freeze and freeze is basically a protection system that the system basically just stops. You go into that freeze mode. Yeah. You hear about, you know, people would say, Oh, that's impossible. How could this happen? But you know, when, uh, there was a woman on a plane and she was getting sexually assaulted and she did nothing and then gets off the plane and then tells everybody. And people would say, why wouldn't you just say something, you know, you're surrounded by passengers and crew and, but she froze because that was the mind that she had developed over her atmospheric conditions. Get through this. Don't do anything. Once it's over, then we'll deal with it. I think we're seeing a tsunami of freeze victims coming. Is there something that we can do in the process? Because some of us are still in lockdown, whether it's mandated or not. Um, is there something we can be doing now to, to you know, to be the woman on the plane and to raise our hand right now versus later. Yeah. I mean, just really admit that you're having some struggles, um, you know, try to seek some help. 
Definitely, because like I said, freeze mode is a protection system. You know, so if you think about a zebra, right? A zebra sees a lion, right? And all the other zebras start to run. Well, this zebra stays still because the zebra is trying to stay out of the reticular activating system of the lion because the lion is looking for movement and he's looking for the slowest zebra. So his focus is going to be looking for the slowest zebra, not the one that's not moving, right? That won't attract his attention. So his reticular activating system is geared to try to find a slowest zebra. So freeze is actually a fairly good technique in some situations to protect you. So if we don't get that resolved, then <clears throat> we're going to see, you know, some issues down the road, but we can fix it. And if you recognize, because people think I'm in fight or flight and they'll say, well, I'm not in either right now. I'm feeling okay. They could be just shutting down to protect themselves, just going through the motions of day-to-day -day living, right? Without really, because they're not thinking about it. They're just trying to get through it. Yeah. Right. This attack will stop eventually and then I'll deal with it. You know, so I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, around that question and, you know, everyone out there that's, you know, still quarantining to some level uh, or and and or, you know, whatever country they're in, they're in lockdown still. Right. Um, they don't know when the they're going to get out, when the end is. So what I'm thinking is, OK, everybody's got emotional concussions. Right. Right. And, and they could be filed away and, and maybe not, you know, in the forefront of your thought, but uh, uh, something happens and there's a trigger, right? right? What I'm wondering is for everyone that's out there that's feeling a little frozen, right? Because of the pandemic, is there, what can they do? Like, I'm just envisioning someone in their home, right? And, and, and they're feeling this way. Is there something they can do to help themselves? Yes. If they get yeah. triggered? Well, uh, uh, triggered or one of the things that they can do to sort of help themselves. So those are two questions. Yeah. When I talk to people who have depression, I generally say to them, what are you angry about? And they'll say, well, I'm not angry. I'm depressed. And I say, well, depression is an anger. Your mind's been calling for an action and you haven't done it. So it keeps calling for the action. You don't do the action. It eventually just shuts down, stops, because depression is the absence of an emotion, right? You're flat because your mind has not got what it's been asking for. Wow. And so isn't that amazing? Yeah. yeah <laughs> right? that's a, we could stop right there and just listen to that on repeat. Yeah. <laughs> and so when I say to people, let's resolve what your mind's been trying to get you to do. Most of the time it's been asking you to do something that's not possible. Don't let that person hurt you run away from that situation, right? So because you can't do it, your mind keeps calling for the action. You can't do it, it eventually just shuts down. So I say the same thing now with people in COVID. Um, have you heard of the, the website called Clubhouse? Yeah, yeah. Um, Clubhouse, I, I went on it a few times. Yeah, I've been on it a little bit. And I am amazed at how many people are going on this thing and you see them on it all day long. Yes. But here's one of the things that I noticed. A lot of it are from countries that they're still in shutdown. People mm. want to connect. People sure. want some form of, they can't get out of their house. One lady I spoke to, she's in London. And the only thing she could do was go for a walk to the park. 
That was it. She couldn't even have people over. So she'd be on Clubhouse all day because people need connection. So one of the things I would say to people is the key to moving forward is to take deliberate action. So if you are in shutdown, figure out ways, and this Clubhouse, I think, provided an answer for them, was a way to do something, contribute, connect, help other people. We need to feel we're doing something. So the best advice I can give to you if you're still in this lockdown is take actions, multiple actions, because when you're moving, your mind feels better. It's when you're stuck that it then starts to go into that you know, very low depressed state. Mm-hmm. So true. So action, take some actions. Take action, Even if yeah. it's just, yeah, reaching out, writing letters, communicating, whatever you can do to keep moving, right? Just don't stay still. So talk to me about, we're going to pull out a specific profile because we've got some visionary integrator, you know, chief sales officers that listen to our podcast and these guys are tough as nails. They don't let their emotions run them, yada, 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 et cetera. Um, I don't have trauma. Uh, you know, trauma doesn't control me as they're saying in their angry defensive voice. You know, what, what are some of the indicators that there's more going on that we might realize? Yeah, that's a great question. You, the way to think of it is it's like a river. You know, you could look and the river could be very calm, but underneath there's a current that's running. And so that's the same. That's what trauma does. So people can look very high functioning, but underneath they're fighting a current. And there's a lot of people who are highly successful still doing that. But the way I always explain it is you have another gear. So even if you are high performing, you're doing really well, don't you want to reach the highest possible performance level you can get to? There's a lot of shame that comes around saying, oh, I've had a traumatic event or because it portrays weakness. When in in fact, that's why our program is designed around performance, not trauma. Trauma is just what's interfering with your performance. And so you can get to another level. If I had called this trauma therapy, we would never have any of the CEOs or executives. (laughs) Right. That avatar Benj just mentioned. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. So I worked with, so here's a great example. So I worked with um, a guy, Marco Cicetto. Marco was a double amputee, lost both his legs to frostbite and uh, from a suicide attempt but he was a marathon runner and a very good one before. So afterwards he had to learn how to walk again. And then they created uh, uh, prosthetics that blades for him to run on. And he trained really hard and became a pretty good marathon runner. And so they came to me and they said, we think he's a potential Olympic hopeful, but he's plateaued. And it's no matter how much more training we're doing, it doesn't seem to be improving his time. We now think it's in his mind. So Marco came to see me on a, on a Wednesday, and then I took him through our four-hour program. Nine days later, he ran in his first race and took 15 seconds per mile off his time. And wow. then about a few weeks later, ran in the Boston Marathon. This is in 2019 and broke the world record. And then a couple months later, broke his own world record by another five minutes and got signed by Nike. <laughs> now, Here's what I didn't make Marco a better runner. He always had that ability. All I did was freed up 
right, that loop that was running and freed up that energy. Because when we have unresolved trauma, the cells go into an active cell danger response. And so for my daughter, that cell danger response was in her intestinal area. So what happens is, is that nothing's getting into the cell. It's developed this hardened membrane, it's inflamed, but nothing's getting out of the cell. So my daughter ended up with four resections done where they had to go in and cut out pieces of that intestine that died because it just stopped processing. But cell danger response is a temporary pause until the danger passes. So for my daughter, the danger never passed because she was constantly thinking about and looping through the trauma. Once you get that resolved, then the energy, the ATP in the cell also gets released. And so the reason Marco could run faster is he just had more energy that was not available prior because his mind had gone into a cell danger response. Does that make sense? A thousand percent. And my mind is blown. And it makes um, me think of the, the Navy SEAL 40% rule. Yep. Is that? Sure. Because when you release, so another example, Rob Killian, I was speaking at the world championships for Spartan, the Spartan world championships. The lady who runs Spartan Japan asked if I would work with Rob. Now Rob's a special forces green beret. There were three guys that were favored to win the world championships. But the lady from Japan said to me, she says, I think you could help him. I want to see how good he can compete against them. You know, that he's a, well, obviously a great athlete as well. So I worked with Rob on Friday. He ran in the world championships in Lake Tahoe on Sunday and beat them by a minute. The next closest guy was a minute and 15 seconds behind him. Hmm. I didn't make Rob a better runner. All I did is freed up that energy to stay present. He had more power. He always had that power. We just got to it and got it released. And it's the same thing with executives, CEOs. I had a lady, top, top performer in her office, number one sales rep by far in her office. But she said, I don't feel like I can be myself. She says, I always feel like, you know, I'm surrounded by sharks. And if I show any vulnerability, so I always put on this very tough, you know, gritty exterior, but that's a protection mode. So anyway, we took her through the program and uh, within two years, she's tripled her sales. And that wasn't because we did anything special. We just allowed her armor to come down so that she could be her authentic self. Mm. And that then translates in, you know, increased energy, which is going to increase her attractiveness to her clients. Hmm. I am feeling a little bit of pity right now for your calendar because <laughs> I feel like everybody listening needs to call and get on your calendar. Um, maybe you can tell me that is or isn't true, but um, is there is there like, okay, so you have a book. Let, let me just be plain. You have a book, Emotional Confessions. Right. Is it even worth reading or should I just come sit in your couch? Well, there's two ways of doing it. One, I have the one-on-one -on -one with me, right, that people can do, but obviously... I realized early on that that's going to have a, a limited ability to, to help people. So I took the same four hour program that you and I would sit down and do, and I put it as an online program. The great part about that is when you've got high performing executives, CEOs, or athletes, they can do the online program because they're probably not coming in with some major T kind of trauma there. They could be, even if they are, it still works. 
but the online program is exactly what I take you through, except you're guiding yourself through it. And I take you all the way through it, the exact same program, except you're not sitting with me. That we're, we're doing all over the world. And the results are incredible. You're getting the same level of results from people, as long as they're committed to doing it the whole as way long through. As they follow the program and people say, well, you know, how does this work or how do I know it's going to work? I said, it's science. All we're doing is getting your mind to do what it naturally is able to do. It's just gotten it stuck. Yeah. And so I, and I, I, can, I can tell you from personal experience, right? You mentioned that uh, I went through your program and I did it with you, right, yep. in your office. And, and that first um, uh, hour or so, the educational part was amazing because that really helped me. It gave me a deeper understanding and stuff I don't know, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm like, okay, doc, I'll give this thing a shot. I'm kind of skeptical. I don't know, four hours, really? Okay, well, but I went in because I'm curious by nature and 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 open-minded. But that first hour was incredible, and I I see why you do it, right? Because you know, we just we don't know what we don't know, um, and and what we do know, especially around this trauma, that well, it's wrong. <laughs> and and that first hour really helped well one it kind of I got more comfortable right as I as I listened and learned more and then I mean next thing I know the session was over right it goes so fast like it did it really honestly did and I think I I think I took one bathroom break and that's just you know we're drinking water but um it was an amazing experience and uh um uh, I'm here to tell you it worked for me. Uh, that's no bullshit. Um, I'm not going to tell you what we talked about, but we, we've all got emotional concussions, right? But I'm telling you that it was a transformative experience and, for me. And, and I'm not the only one. Um, you can go to, to Dr. Wood's website and, and read the testimonials from people all around the world. Um, and I'm here to tell you whether... <laughs> yes, your schedule probably is going to get uh, a lot busier, but whether it's in person or online, you follow that 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 system that you built, and it was transformative for me. It was amazing. And Scott will tell you the same thing. Scott will say the same thing. Yeah, yeah. it was. He said he tried everything. You know, the Green Berets—they get the best of the best treatment, right? He says, but nothing did what your program did. Yeah. And, um, and, and that's why we're excited about it, because what, what I always say is there's nothing wrong with anybody. The first thing people do, they'll come in and they'll say, oh, I'm really I'm an anxious person, you know, or I'm an angry person or I'm a depressed person. And what I usually say to them, I say, those are just symptoms. That's <laughs> not what's wrong with you. That's just the way your mind is responding to it. Right, because we sometimes get identified with these things, with these labels, and so I said, "Well, let's just get that fixed." Right, we don't want to live with that. I had a lady come in, and she spent the first fifteen minutes telling me everything that ever happened to her in her life, and I said to her, "I said, is there anything else?" And she goes, "Wow, well, that was a lot, don't you think?" And I said, "Oh yeah." I said, "I learned a lot <clears throat> about what happened to you, but I haven't learned anything about you yet." Mm. Yeah. Because that was her identity coming in. Yeah. Yep. Right? As this, this, I'm broken. I'm defeated. There's something wrong with me. And I'm, no, there isn't. 
If I lived your life the way you lived your life, I couldn't be in any different position than you could. It's just how our brains work. So understanding how it works is how we fix it. That's why Chris is like you said, I spend the first hour, hour and a half giving you what I learned in my research. Then at that point you go, Oh, I get it now. I, this makes sense. Mm -hmm. The thing I hear more often than any other statement is this makes so much sense. They've just never heard it explained that way. I I feel like I'm connecting a few dots in my head with something that I've been observing a lot and kind of thinking about a lot, which is one of the negative behaviors that I see in the workplace that really prohibits people's performance, especially uh, interpersonally is a, as, as a posture of defensiveness. And I'm wondering if that's one of those symptoms that comes out of concussions or trauma. And that's what I actually talk about in emotional concussions. So I give you 10 different scenarios. Do you recognize yourself in any one of these 10? They're coming from probably an emotional concussion. So for example, do you find that you're a procrastinator? So the reason you procrastinate is you probably got criticized a lot you know, when you did work. So in your mind is I want to avoid that pain. The number one thing that the mind wants to avoid is pain. So if you do something and you bring your work to your boss or you bring your work to your client and you get shut down, right? Then that's creating, that reminds you of the pain you got from your parent or your teacher being critical of you. Mm. So why do you procrastinate? Because I don't want to hit that pain right now. I'd rather wait a little bit before I saw that or felt that or experienced that, right? Those are all the kinds of things if you recognize, right, you can fix because you have to identify where they started. Mm -hmm. I am ordering your book right now. (laughs) Um, I'm I'm so excited. You just, what you just said um, helped me understand something about one of my children. So a little extra right there. I would love to spend the next four hours uh, uh, just talking to you, whether it's my psychotherapy or not. Um, it's fascinating. I love it. So thank you for your work and thank you for your time. And um, I want you to know that uh, your, your time today is going to help a lot of people because there's a lot of people that would love to unlock their performance and sure. get a little more emotionally healthy and stable so thank you and thank you for your time with us well thank you i really enjoyed it guys yeah we'll uh we'll make sure to put links in all the notes um so that we can uh make it easy for people to find you and uh um i'll see you at lunch (laughs) that was great but you can't avoid me you got to walk right past my door (laughs) well before we get off here we'll put it in the show notes but tell us where we can go take the online course uh, yeah, go to Get Tip, which is G E T T I P P, because it's the Inspired Performance Program. So gettip.com/slash EOS, I think it is. I think that's going to be in the notes. Perfect. All right. Well, we just got the inspired part, so let's go get the performance part. System and Soul. We'll see you next week. <laughs>